Hi, everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is called The Bridge, Season 30, Episode 2. It aired on October 1st, 2021, hosted by Queen Andrea and sad news in the kingdom of Dateline. Andrea will be the only queen from now on because Queen Countess Natalie is leaving the show. Why? She's leaving NBC News in general to go on to something new, something exciting, something very mysterious. Well, good for her. I hope it's something that she's always wanted to do. Sad to see her go, but we liked having her while she was here. Yeah, she couldn't have been nicer. She posted our bingo cards on Instagram. We got to meet her in person and she was so sweet. We're really going to miss her. We hardly knew her, but we know her in our hearts and knowing is half the battle. So we are outside of Fayetteville, North Carolina. We were just there for our Patreon episode a couple months ago. Mystery of the Murdered Major. I knew we were just there. Thank you. I could not figure out why. James Chambers disappeared on a Friday in August 2014. He worked for his dad's construction company. Then on Fridays, he headed down to the lake to lifeguard, which sounds amazing for the weekend. We meet his mom, Rachel, who is so sad. Poor Rachel. So sad. Very sweet. So lovely. Very pretty. She reminded me a little bit of Kirillon. Okay. A little bit in the face. Something about her facial structure. That's high praise because I think she's one of the most gorgeous people to ever live. From 90 Day Fiance. Oh, well, there you go. But also, yeah, she's our main interview. Well, one of them. (laughs) We'll get to another one in just a second. So Rachel is still searching for him. This is it's now been like seven years. She's still searching. She talks about how everyone loved James. He was 28 years old. He was figuring out his life. He was a great guy. We meet his dad, Pete, and his roommate, Brandy, who you think is going to be a one off interview, like nothing special. Okay, just the roommate. But through the course of this episode, she will hit us repeatedly with these wacky, almost Dennis is enough isms that are just so out of the blue that you're just not expecting them. Very seamlessly integrated, which if ever anyone needed a musing column, it's Brandy. Yeah, it's Brandy. I was thinking more like a Dateline pop-up video edition and she would do, and I am aging myself by talking about VH1 pop-up videos. But if you know, you know. Oh, I just meant, I thought you just meant a pop-up video. I did not equate that with VH1 pop-up video. I forgot that was the thing. Oh, yeah. that's. I think they started that thing. What is it? I wasn't allowed to watch VH1. What is a pop-up video? I had a feeling that you didn't know what I was talking about. I know. I know what it was. I know pop-up video. I know it's a thing, but I don't. What is it? It would go pop. And on this, I don't know if it made that noise. And it would have facts, behind the scenes facts about the music video that you were watching. So it's kind of like a 90 Day Fiance more to love or whatever they call it when they have like extra things on the screen. Sure, I getcha. But this is just like facts, facts about the artist. Sometimes they were random. Like, let's say the artist is like eating nachos. It would be like nachos were first invented in Germany in the year, you know, like that. Got it. That would be a fun job. Yeah, it could be something we could be into. I would like to be the person to create the things for pop-up video. That seems fun. That's kind of what we do on the show, actually. Now that I think about it, this show is kind of a pop-up dateline. 
it's basically a pop-up video mixed with pillow talk, mixed with queens who like to watch or whatever. The goggle box, those shows where people watch things and discuss. Yeah, it's perfect. This is my dream job. Very grateful. Okay, sorry. I got so distracted by the pop-up video. By Monday, no one had heard from James. Wait, did you have anything close you out your thoughts on Brandy? You were talking about Brandy. Oh, I'll get to Brandy more. Okay. She doesn't say anything noteworthy yet, but she will. But I knew she was important enough to write her down. I wrote Brandy, the friend slash roommate, and I sensed it with her. She was getting a little too much B-roll for me to ignore. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So by Monday, no one had heard from James and he had never showed up for his job at the lake. So something happened Friday and he's been missing all weekend. His mom texted him Marco, which is their safe word, like a code word, like Katie and I have discussed many a time. But this is more like an SOS. It means like call us immediately. And she's sitting there and he doesn't call back. And so she knows that he's gone or something terrible has happened. And I'm assuming that he is supposed to respond polo, right? I would guess. That hurt me. The Marco with no response was hard. I know. The family started driving around town looking for him. James's dad, Pete, calls the police and reports him missing. And we learn about another tragedy, which is almost just, you're already going to be asking yourselves, why are we covering this episode? But trust me, the whole last half is just bonkers. Yeah. It, no, it's a fascinating story. We have to cover this case. Yeah. So we learn about this other tragedy. Six years earlier, mom, Rachel, had lost her younger son to muscular dystrophy. And now she knows that her older son is gone too. It's horrible. Thank God she has a daughter. Now all the pressure is on the daughter. Like, this daughter can't even move away. But who we hear about once. She doesn't appear on Dateline. Markoff, family member not interviewed on your bingo cards. She can't even move, I bet. She has to just stay with her mom all the time. I can't even imagine. It's horrible. I don't know. People come out of stuff. You'd be surprised. Yeah. I bet she's doing really well. I have a good feeling. I think her name's Jessica. I have a good feeling about Jessica. No, that was so sad. And also so... James had lost his brother when he was really young. Mm-hmm. Well, Oof. he was 22. Young. Yeah, for us. So the detective learns that James left work on Friday with a fun-loving 21-year-old co-worker named Howard Ashelman. And he works, I don't know any 21-year-olds named Howard, first of all. I don't know any fun-loving people named Howard. Mm-hmm. That's not a fun-loving name. Stern. Howie is Howie is a fun-loving name. The Duck. No, Howard is not fun, fun-loving, right? Don't diss The Duck. I never saw that movie, but I feel like you shouldn't be dissed. I feel like it doesn't age well, so maybe we should be dissing The Duck. <laughs> maybe. No one's even going to know what we're talking about. There was a movie called Howard the Duck. Yeah. I think he came from space, but that's all I know. Possibly. I only know him from I Heart the 80s. Again on VH1. Oh my gosh. Wow. This whole episode is sponsored by VH1. It's not at all. Sorry, Karev. It is sponsored by VH1 at this point. (laughs) So the police look at Howard, who was raised in a religious family. He is fond of the cap. His baseball hat thing has the thumbs up emoji and it says like this. And he keeps that bad boy at two o'clock. Like if 12 o'clock is facing forward with your brim where it normally goes, he keeps it at two. 
and he's a bag of wieners. Yeah. He has yellow hair. He's a bag of wieners. His voice is also so deep in the interrogation, which I was not expecting. I was expecting Peter Brady when it's time to change. Oh, like that's like, oh, uh-huh. but because he looks like a yellow haired bag of wieners. Well, his voice is going to go one of two ways. It's going to be who oh, or it's going to be with no change monotone. This is how I talk. And it's going to be like this and kind of slow. It's one of the two. That's how bag of wieners talk. He's never met intonation. So he says on the way home that day, they stopped at a liquor store so James could buy alcohol. Then they went to James's house to drink and Howard left before it got dark, making him the last person who ever saw James. Where did he work? At the construction company with James. So they were like working on houses. I don't know. Okay. But the dad said he was a good worker. He hired him personally because it was his company. Why didn't Howard live with his parents? Howard's family lives in another state. He had moved to North Carolina. He was now living on the property of an older couple who we will get to because I have questions. And it doesn't involve swinging for once. I have questions about why the family did not take Howard. Was he troubled? Because we're getting I'm getting the impression that he was troubled. I, I knew he was trouble when he walked in in his interrogation video. Thanks, T-Swift. With a hat at two o'clock. Got it. All right. Yeah. So Howard says, I went home after I saw James. I went to a neighbor's barbecue and they ask him who was at the barbecue. And he says, the people who live there. So he's giving the police a lot. I don't have time for this, Howard. I don't I I don't pick up the pace, buddy. So James's sister, Jessica, posts a desperate message online. My brother's missing and it goes far and wide. And a woman named Fran Funderburg, who is amazing, and that's her name, Fran Funderburg. I'm so jealous. That's so good. You can be anything you want to be with a name like that. You're just set up for success. You are. Anything, judge, whatever. I think if your name has Berg in the last name, it sounds like good. Like you're going to do something successful. Anything that your last name sounds like Thunderbird. Yeah. It, you win. That's it. You're done. Congratulations. It's even more fun. She's won the name lottery. It's we're done. And her name is Fran. So they probably, and you, heard, you know, her dad called her Franny. I, I had a great aunt Franny who I very much liked. Franny Thunderbird. It's the best. So she sees the Facebook post. And Fran is a volunteer for Class Kids, which is named after Polly Class, and it helps support families of missing kids. So she offers to help mom, Rachel, even though James was 28. But I guess she was just really moved to help. So Fran tells mom, Rachel, you need to be patient because this could take years. And she's right. And those words of wisdom carry Rachel for a long time. Well, and they're not really getting a lot of help from the police. So this is why probably she stepped in, too, because the police are like, he's old. There's not a lot we can. They're not going to put a lot of resources in. They think he maybe just went off to party. You know, who knows? Yeah. So Dad Pete tells Fran about Howard and says, maybe Fran, you should go talk to Howard. Now, Fran is like the cutest 65 year old lady in heels with a Southern accent. And they're sending her in to talk to this bow at a restaurant called Bojangles. And it's amazing. And if Howard wasn't such a bow, 
That could be a cute buddy cop movie. No, she needs to stay away from Howard. If he wasn't, I'm saying. If he was just your run-of-the-mill 21-year-old kind of punk. Okay. I'd rather pair her with someone that we see later. Oh, I know who you're talking. Okay. So they meet at Bojangles. She says he was charming and polite, but she did think that he answered questions a little oddly. Like sometimes he would wait too long to answer. Like he was trying to think of what he was supposed to say. They hug at the end, which of course, because Fran hugs, she's a hugger. And she told him, make sure you cooperate with the police. Police are still looking hard at him because he had sold his truck five days after James disappeared and he sold it to a scrapyard. And they ask what was wrong with the truck. And he says, I blew it up doing donuts on the road for fun. It ruined the engine. Howard. So you don't just replace the engine. You just just I just scrap the entire truck. Super sus. Yeah. (laughs) Is that your truck or the Benson's truck, the people you live with? Whose truck is that, Howard? His truck, I think. Is it, though? He doesn't make enough money to buy a truck. Someone gave him that truck that he blew uh, blew it up. Mm-hmm. Police ask him, why is your cell phone pinging at a different place for two hours that is not your house or the neighbor's barbecue that you were at with the people that live there? And he says, uh, I think I can explain this. My friend Reno had my phone. And we learned that Reno Parks, which is close to Rosa Parks, but he is not at all heroic, is a friend of Howard's. Ah, he gets a moment where he does a very good thing. Okay, he has a moment. I will rescind that. He is in no way as heroic as Rosa Parks, but he's okay. In no way. But he does a good thing, so I'm not mad. I'm not actively angry with him. Yeah. There's so many other people in this episode to be actively mad at. I don't have the bandwidth to waste on Reno. So thank you for freeing me of that. I feel like now I can put all of my hate into these other people. Good. And we'll get to them. They know what they did. So apparently the night of the barbecue, Howard went with Reno to the hospital because Reno got a cut on his finger and needed Howard to take him to the hospital at 3 a.m. I wouldn't go to the hospital at 3 a.m. unless I lost a finger. Unless it was actively gone from my body. That otherwise, you just wrap it up, go to sleep. How bad was this cut? What was he doing at 3 a.m.? I mean, that's the suspicious thing. Like, why are you cutting your finger at 3 a.m. at the barbecue? He's making a stew? I don't know. Super sus, again. We are on the SS super sus Howard train this whole episode. Choo, 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 choo. Katie hates it. So (laughs) the SS Howard. I'm fine with the SS Howard. What I'm not fine with is sus. It's super sus. It is super. It's super suspicious for those out there that maybe don't know what sus is. (laughs) They have not been paying attention. If it's someone's new hair. Sus equals suspicious. This is current lingo in the vernacular of cool people. There you go. I think it's actually super passe on cool people because I usually get with the trends about two and a half years after they are cool. I don't even know what that says about me then. I'm just, that's it. Okay, great. (laughs) Reno is out on parole for burglary and larceny, resisting an officer and driving without a license. Fran and Rachel, meanwhile, have formed an informal detective agency of just the two of them. 
and it's very precious. And so they are looking at Howard. They're digging at his Facebook. And that's how mom, Rachel, finds 12 Howards. And you think she just means like 12 guys named Howard, like Stern and the Duck. But Andrea says to us, did you get that? And Cunningham. You're forgetting a very important Howard. Cunningham. Howard. Yeah. (laughs) How could you forget? He's a great hearted Howard. Yeah, there you go. Andrea says, did you get that? 12 different Howards. I love when they call attention. They're like, hey, you watching there in eating your Cheetos, pay attention. Yeah. Something big just happened. 12 different Facebook accounts with different personas for the same person, but all with different names and all with different photo stylings. So sometimes Howard has a thuggish look. Sometimes he has a preppy college guy look. Also, I'd like to point out his thuggish look is like Bieber trying to look thuggish. He looks like Aaron Carter. If anyone remembers Aaron Carter. I remember. Younger brother of Nick Carter. He tried to be thuggish. It worked about as well. And he changes his names too. I, th- I think that's current too, right? Yeah, he. I think he's still on that train. Yeah. He changes his name too. Sometimes he's Adrian Manson. No. Andrea has a visceral reaction to the word Manson. She does not like it. Adrian Howard. So he flips some names. Adrian Ashtree, Victor Mann. His most bag of wieners-ish persona is Homicide Howie. Homicidal Howie. Homicidal Howie, who has a, what appears to be a video that we do not get to see that is called Whip a Homicide. And like whip my ride. Oh, I thought it was like whipping the Congress. I didn't. Think. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure out what whip stood for. I maybe should have looked it up. I maybe should have given it a bing in the Urban Dictionary because I was like, he's a whip. He's the whip. That is the smartest misunderstanding ever. I'm very impressed. It's pretty dumb. All right. <laughs> Not as dumb as naming yourself Homicidal Howie on Facebook, though, because if you do ever commit a crime and the cops come after you, it doesn't look great. No, it does not. Yeah. But this video, Whip My Homicide, I I wanted to see it and I felt very cheated that Dateline doesn't show us the video because I 100% sure that he's rapping in it. Like I could I would bet my life that he is rapping in this video. And it has 24 views. I might do some digging. I want to find out who those 24 people are because they saw it. I hope it's taken down, actually. I feel like I can't look it up. I got to be honest. I feel like it shouldn't be on your phone. Yeah, I don't really want to look it up on my phone. Maybe I can borrow someone's phone and look it up. Because it's hard to go whip my homicide for school essay. Yeah, for podcast research. Right. Spec script. Not good. None of it's good. None of it really, really works. So, okay. And you know that video is not going to come up in a Google search because it's not like, that's not in the algorithm. It's not 24 (laughs) views. We're not getting to that. That's on page 97 of the Google search. But Zuckerberg is real proud that he created Facebook for things like Whip My Homicide. And cat pictures. Fran found the case through Facebook. There you go. So maybe full circle. Also, Zuckerberg, he has a Berg in the last name. Very successful. Now, 
The real problem with Howard having all these aliases is that I wouldn't know what name to put on my care of individually wrapped daily packets of vitamins and supplements. For example. Kimberg. Kimberg. Done. Super successful now. Did it. Does Howard have to take an online quiz for each persona? Does the preppy guy have a different diet and wellness goal than the thug persona? Yes. You can retake the quiz at any time as your goals and needs and your name change. So, Howard, that's for you. I took my quiz as Kimber, but next I will be taking it as Kimberberg. And it rolls off the top. Kimberg. One word, like iceberg. Kimberg. Oh, sorry. Kimberg. That really does roll off the top. I have told my care of quiz that I don't sleep great, that I have tummy troubles, what my goals are. And they gave me recommendations that I can follow to a T or I can pick and choose what I want to receive. And every month, contact free, I get my personalized subscription box with daily packets that say, hi, Kimber. Having the daily packets helps me fall into a healthy routine in the fall. We're all so busy with work and creating different online personas that it's hard to remember to do the daily things you need to for your health. But Care-of has an app where you can track your routine and earn rewards and discounts when you consistently take your vitamins. So basically, I am Pavlov's dog, but I don't mind because it gets me free products and discounts. Ah. I take my pills, I put it in the app, and then I get free things. Lastly, Care-of's products are anything but super sus. They are formulated with good-for-you, clean ingredients that are transparent about their research and sourcing of their products. For 50% off your first Care-of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code DATE. Dateline 50. That's 50% off your first care of order by going to takecareof.com and entering code date dateline 50. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much, care of. Thank you, care of. I am working up quite an appetite trying to follow this insane case. I could really use a snack right now. Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. And they come in lots of flavors. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars. Great idea. Healthy snacks have a really bad reputation, a lot like Howard, who kind of deserved his bad (laughs) reputation. So please don't associate Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars with him. But let's be honest, most healthy snacks like don't taste very good. They don't fill you up and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings. This episode is being partnered with Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. Monk Pack keto granola bars are delicious. And besides being delicious, they're gluten-free, grain-free, plant-based, non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar alcohols, or high-intensity sweeteners, which is kind of important because high-intensity sweeteners leave a funny taste in your mouth sometimes. Mm. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars are great for anyone following a keto lifestyle, but you don't have to be a keto lifestyle person to enjoy these bars. They're the perfect snack for anyone who is just trying to eat better, cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. And I need to be eating better. It's just time. I'm falling into nutrition. (laughs) So now I can eat Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars without feeling like I am sacrificing all of my precious, precious sweets. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars have a soft and chewy texture and they come in amazing flavors like coconut cocoa chip, peanut butter, and blueberry almond vanilla, which is amazing. 
I am a giant fan of the new of the chewy granola bar texture. And that blueberry almond vanilla is seriously heaven. Mm. And it doesn't have that weird tinny aftertaste that you get with a lot of low sugar items because of high intensity sweeteners. I don't like that aftertaste. It's it tastes like a yeah. penny in your mouth almost. This just tastes delicious all the way around. And they're perfect for a quick breakfast or a snack between Zoom calls or Zooming out to the store for something you forgot to get. Put one in your car. It's the perfect place to have them. They taste incredible and you can't beat the low sugar nutrition they provide. And by shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store by getting Monk Pack delivered right to your door. We're pretty much obsessed with these bars at Date with Dateline. And yes, we both probably eat more than we should, but there is no limit listed on the box or on the pack. So I think no five a day would be appropriate for me. Soups approps. And to make sure I am always fully stocked, I signed up for a subscription to my favorite flavors, which saves me 10% on every order and then they ship them automatically. Yeah. Yeah. Getting these delicious treats delivered on a regular basis has been a complete game changer for my falling into nutrition. I'm trying to eat healthier and Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars are helping me do it. Try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a really special deal for our listeners. You can get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering the code date dateline at checkout. And Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer, but you're absolutely going to love it. To get started, just go to monkpack.com, that's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com, and select any product, then enter the code DATEDATELINE at checkout to save the 20% off your purchase. Monkpack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on. M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K, Monkpack Keto Granola Bars. Thank you so much, Monkpack. Thank you. So Howard and his friends are basically nightmares on Facebook. They share horrifying posts. In fact, this whole thing should be a trigger warning to horrible, disturbing, violent Facebook posts. Should I even read one? I'm going to skip that one. Andrea is disturbed. Let's just say that. And she hosts Dateline. So that's saying something. Also, they're not well written. And I have take real issue with that. They're, they're just also just kind of the stuff that seems like borderline attention seeking. Yes. But incredibly dangerous and like the kind of stuff that is probably flagged by the FBI. Yes. For someone who is in danger of doing something dangerous. They also sound like lyrics to a band that I can't think of. It's also very hate filled rhetoric and like hate for human life. Yes. Like just... Now, one of them, you know, I might have to do because it would give me an excuse to rap. And I do love an excuse to rap. So I'm going to try, but I'm going to bleep things out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you might shoot fast, but I shoot faster. Bust your bleep and bleep like a big contractor. Light that bleep up like a firecracker. All said and done, you're in the trash compactor. Your life is a movie, but I am no actor. I own everything, so I must be a master. Mess around with me, you're looking for disaster. Call me John Deere, I have a big green tractor. LOL, bored. Oh! Because he has to end with LOL, bored. Like, I don't even care that I just did these sick beats. How did I know he was a rapper, first of all? I just could tell. He wants to be Eminem. He looks like Eminem. 
If Eminem had chosen another path, yeah. this there the road diverged in a wood, and then we have two people. I'm going to say there was a talent element too. I'm going to say also agree with that. It's also he's very clearly violent. Yes. And we find out how violent later. That's yeah. something that should have been such a red flag to everyone around him in his orbit. Also, his eyes are red in every photo. And I know that's just a blue eyed person thing. I have it sometimes, but not in every photo. It's like every photo. So he's actually a demon. His friends post things like tr- they're trying to sound really hard. And it's like, we don't do drive bys. We do walk ups. And Howard writes back, you already know. Like, it's not funny at all, except when you see his picture. It's kind of funny because he's such a bag of wieners. But that's what makes it worse, because he probably hates that he looks this way, which is why this is so dangerous. Like, he's trying to kind of counterbalance that he looks like, I don't know, like a little blonde kid. Yeah. And he's trying to be a bad A. Yeah. Mm hmm. Rachel turns these posts over to the police, but they can't do anything because it's not evidence. It's just in poor taste. But homicidal Howie. It's just derivative and bad. But it definitely at least gives the police more of like a we need to be looking at him very closely. So six months have passed. Rachel has been obsessively looking for James. And so she finally moves out of state because she was so obsessed with it. She's still stalking Howard online, though. And then we find out that Howard was charged in a domestic violence incident that gets dropped. So he's just a horrible person. Andrea says the case is going cold, but James' dad, Pete, was hot. And I went, Andrea? And then I realized she didn't mean like she loved his big daddy energy. She meant that he was mad. He was fired up. Don't you dare. Don't you dare bring that back. (laughs) So then we get... The return of a Datelined legend, only in one episode, but still has legendary status. Well, he has legendary status for us as well, which is why I was so excited, because we covered this episode. Yes, we did. So Pete hires the one and only David Marshburn, who is a local legend in the North Carolina area because he was on Dateline. He basically solved this case. He got a confession and found the body in this episode deep in the woods. He's amazing. He went undercover, right, to do it? He did. He like befriended the guy. Yes, because he knew it was him. Yeah. And it's great to see David. He looks wonderful. I do have one question for you. Where is Marsha Marshburn? Yeah, where is Marsha? Longtime listeners of the podcast will remember... Marsha Marshburn, not her actual last name, and David Marshburn were the founders of our private investigators dream team fantasy league. If we were to start our own agency. Yeah. Marsha for sure is on it. She was his kind of his assistant. I feel like she's blossomed and is running her own company. At least that's what I'm telling myself. I feel like people have sent me things that she has been working on. I think she's still a superstar. She's a private investigator on in her own right, right? For sure. I think she maybe apprenticed under David. Yeah, but she helped in that case. She really did. Absolutely. But I was excited to see David Marshburn again. David Marshburn wants to get on the property of the Bensons. Who are the people that he's living with? 
who Howard was living with at the time. So the older Sir Benson was not there, but Mrs. Benson is, and she doesn't like Howard. So she is like, take a look at whatever. I don't care. And I loved that. She's like, you can look anywhere. So David Marshburn brings out his cadaver searching dog, Kaz, who I remember Mm -hmm. so glad that Kaz is alive and well. Mm -hmm. Kaz the dog goes over to an abandoned vehicle on the property and he alerts. There are these truck parts that Howard tore out of his truck before he sold it for parts. He took out some of the parts and the parts he took out have blood spatter on them. Why did he not have those sent to the junkyard too? I don't understand. Oh, I think he thought it would get flagged at the junkyard. So instead of cleaning it, he was lazy and just took them off and hid them on his property to be used as evidence later. He's real bright. So the police take the parts to be tested. Marshburn also wants to talk to Reno, who is now locked up once again for robbery with his friend Atlantic City and his cousin Vegas. Dad joke. Oh, wow. Marshburn goes to see him. Everyone's upset. (laughs) Marshburn goes to see him in prison and he says, I have evidence. And he shows him the photos of the car parts. And Reno shakes his head. And Marshburn says, you can either be a witness or a defendant. And Reno starts crying and says, what do you want to know? And remember, Reno had not talked to the cops at all. But David Marshburn has this ability to get people to talk. It's quite astounding. So Reno says he was hanging out at the barbecue when Howard pulled up to the end of a very long driveway, got out of his truck, pulled out a gun and shot into the back window of his truck where James was sitting. But it is odd that no one else heard the gunshot. Maybe there are people that shoot guns a lot or they thought it was a firecracker. I don't know. Howard then hid the body on the property where he lived with the Bensons. He tried to burn it. And then he did the unthinkable. And at this point, Marshburn said Reno was bawling and saying, please tell the mom and dad that I'm sorry. And perhaps this should have another trigger warning. Trigger warning. Howard cut up James and put him in plastic bags and then threw the bags over a bridge. So he's a demon psychopath and then the saddest part of the episode happens yeah so david calls pete the dad and says pete you don't want to know it's horrible and then pete is crying on the dateline and it's so brutal and andrea doesn't even know what to say but she does a great job and she just says i'm sorry because what else do you say and she has tears in her eyes but he like dips his head down and pulls his head back up and his hair is kind of askew and it's just that if you don't feel that anguish, you don't have a heart. Yeah. Because it's it's always hard in Dateline to see this of a family. But like this wrecked this family. Yeah. This mom and dad who had already experienced the loss of a child. Then again, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, it was horrible. So then Andrea says, remember those truck parts that had blood on them? And I was like, yes, yes, Andrea, it was like six minutes ago. All the DNA tests came back inconclusive, which made no sense to me. And Andrea says, oh, because it's been too long. It's only been a few years and we've seen DNA decades. I don't understand. This is the new detective that tested it, right? Some new detective comes on the case. They have like rotating 
detectives on this case. Yeah, they do. The newest detective is the one that like listens to Marshburn and and tests the stuff. But yeah, that's a bummer. I was hoping something would happen because that would have been done deal. Done deal. So this new detective, Donegan, he talks to the Bensons and he, Mrs. Benson says something about homicidal Howie. Okay. So at this point, it's when I realized that again, Mr. Sir Benson, as you called him earlier, is not home. No, he's clearly cheating on Mrs. Benson. Uh, No, that's not what I'm concerned about. Mrs. Benson has killed Mr. Benson and he is buried on the property somewhere. I am concerned that Mr. Benson is indeed home. (laughs) Under the floorboards. He's passed on. The telltale heart. Honestly, no, I wasn't worried about Mrs. Benson doing anything. I was more worried about homicidal Howie. Stinking homicidal Howie whipping that homicide. I'm worried about it. And this is also when I noticed the whip a homicide, by the way. It's at this point. But Mrs. Benson says, oh, homicide Howie. And they're like, what? Why did you call him that? And she says, because he had he killed a friend's dog. No, no. Well, we're done here. Yep, we're done. No, I'm going to choose to eternal sunshine of the spotless mind myself so that I don't have to hear that. I am done. No, I really am just upset that this was again. That's the biggest. The killing of animals is such a red flag. He's he's seriously he's a demon. That's bad. If you're killing an animal, did the next step. But then they say to Mrs. Benson, oh, that's why you call him that. And it's like, oh, yeah, because of the friend's dog. And that's why I didn't really like him. But the police think Mrs. Benson knows what's up and that everyone in the area, all of his friends and the Bensons know about what he did to James. And that's why she calls him Homicidal Howie. And I was like, Mrs. Benson, I was rooting for you. (laughs) Apparently, you know some things. And Dateline tries to get the Bensons to come on Dateline and they say no. I think they're probably embarrassed. Yeah. Maybe they're scared of him. Yeah, I would be a little scared of him. I would be scared of him. I'm more just still, why is he living with you? Can we please hear the story about the troubled youth that came to live with you who is killing dogs? Like, this is very clearly what this is. So I don't know why we're dancing around it. It's We can all see the forest for the trees here. I'm frustrated. Hold on to your anger because that makes you even more angry for something that happens later. So... Every few months, mom, Rachel, drives back to North Carolina from Texas and searches for James because she will not give up. She searches every bridge. She tells Andrea she's going to keep searching until she dies. It's astounding. A mother's love. So also, she had made a promise to James when the little brother, Michael, had died. James said, if anything ever happens to me, mom, I want to be buried by Michael. So she is searching for his body so she can keep that promise. It's horrible. And in like most circumstances, if this tragedy was to happen, like if you were to lose another son, this would be a promise you can keep. So the fact that she can't keep this promise is really just a slap in the face. We've seen parents lose children. It's always horrible and tragic. We've seen them not be able to recover the body. And it's even more tragic because to some people that that ceremony is very important. Having a place to visit the body and put flowers on the grave and 
you know where they are, that is very important to them. It's part of the closure, the final resting place. Yes. So to have this third step of you can't find the body and you promised that you would bury him next to his brother who you also lost. It's like a perfect storm of the most horrible things. Yeah. It's horrible. Now, Rachel and Fran Funderburg noticed that Howard's post recently, this is now a few years out, have been removed and he had stopped posting and it almost seemed like he had vanished. But then he posts something from the last place you'd ever imagine. And we go to commercial. Where is it? The first Starbucks in Seattle, a spaceship with Elon Musk, a screening of Eight Mile. What will it be? He's in Florida at a Bible college. This is the weirdest dateline. I do not understand. The twists. So he is at this small Bible college in Florida. Andrea asked mom, Rachel, what did you think of him going to the Bible college? And Rachel said he needed it, which was the best line. It's also what everyone's thinking. Like, okay, good. So we see him in a very cleaned up look because now he has a new persona. So now this persona is Bible college. Heavenly Howie. Heavenly Howie. And he is in a choir at the Bible college. Very clean cut, shorter haircut, suit and tie. He is very grateful he did not go with that teardrop face tattoo that you know he wanted to get. This is why face tattoos, you got to really think, am I going to have a new persona later on in life? I'm actually very surprised he doesn't have a face tattoo. Right. Or at least a neck tattoo. He's got a big thing on his arm that I can't tell what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they're singing the choir. It's like a quartet of guys that are doing a solo piece. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're singing a hymn called Statue of Liberty. At one point, it is so off key. It was. So even I heard how off key. Well, I can hear how I know how off key I am. I want to say that it was Howie. So let's just say that it was Howie that was throwing it off. He's the one that's off key. It's totally not the other three guys. Then we come back to James's roommate, Brandy. Remember her? This is where she really starts to make Dateline. She makes her mark on Dateline history. She puts her stamp and puts herself in the time capsule of Dateline history. She says, the irony of him fleeing to Bible college, I wish I could explain the cluster cluckery that is Howard's mind. Except she's saying it in a Southern accent. She's saying, I wish I could explain the cluster cluckery that's happening in Howard's mind. She says it so seamless, like she says it all the time. She used it all the time. That is her phrase, yeah. Yeah, and she has one at the very end that killed me. Oh, the one at the end is just gold. This is the silver. Yeah. And then the the end is the gold. Yeah. So Andrea asks, had he come there to find God or to find cover? Which I thought was a good line. Yes. Dad Pete thinks he feels remorseful. I do not buy that, but I love that Pete feels that. So... Rachel keeps digging and sees that he's dating a young woman, Hannah Jones, who is only 19 years old. He is now 24, 25, and she sings in the choir. So she is terrified for this girl, Hannah. 
That can't be right. She she can't be 19 years old. 17. Okay, you said 19. I apologize. But she doesn't go to the the Bible college? She does. She's like a freshman. She probably got in early somehow. Maybe AP classes. I don't know. So Rachel, the mom, is terrified that something bad is going to happen to Hannah. So she calls Marshburn for help. And David Marshburn to the rescue once again. He calls the choir director at the college, tells him about Howard. And this man is shocked. He's like, not Howard. He's in the choir. He's my best baritone. Have you seen how tidy his haircut is? He couldn't be a killer. He doesn't even have a face tattoo. So Marshburn reminds him, it is your job to take care of your flock. And Andrea jumps in with, and you've got a bad sheep in the flock. And Marshburn one-ups her with, it's you have a wolf in sheep's clothing. It's a great exchange. It's very good. And then Andrea like nods and they're like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nailed that. Yep. Yep. The metaphors abound. Also, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing would be a good episode title. Yes, it would. So then Marshburn pulls the ultimate, shall we say, clock blocking and calls Hannah's father and says, your daughter is in danger, girl. She's dating a murderer. Well, he has to. She's seven. She's a minor. She's 17. So... A detective in Florida is notified about the situation and he studies up on Howard. How did he pay to get to Bible college? Benson's, I need to talk to you. (laughs) It's not cheap. I looked it up. I have a lot of information on it. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. It's a private college. Hmm. It's a bazillion dollars. Okay. Andrea has another good line here. She says, usually killers find God once they're behind bars, which is good. So- Police bring in Hannah, the girlfriend, with her parents, because again, she's 17. She looks it. And the police ask her if she knows anything. And she had heard from Howard that he had sold drugs back in the day and was in some gangs. He wishes. He had talked about shooting people that he didn't like. Remember that for later. And the detectives get the impression that she felt like he was broken and needed fixing, to which I say... Ladies, raise your standards. Let's not do this with the bad boys that need to be fixed. Also, we need to discuss the fact that Hannah is 17 and we hope it's never brought up. We hope they're not having to quote 90 Day Fiance, scootily poop, because she's underage and also he's a murderer. So I have two concerns there for Hannah. Also, her parents are way too calm about the situation, which is a for sure foreshadow to something that happens later. Dad seemed concerned. Mom says no words. Mom, he seems like, well, yeah, we're concerned. I mean, we obviously don't want her hanging out with him anymore as a dad. He should be on the edge of his seat. He's so casual about it. And yeah, the mom's just sitting there. Really? He's he's casual? Oh, I need to go back and watch that. I felt like he was very concerned, which is why I was surprised later. I felt like he was cash. I felt like he, I I don't know his normal demeanor. I need to see like what his normal demeanor is like at a barbecue. So police bring in Howard and police in Florida bring in Howard. And he says, I don't want to talk about my life in Fayetteville because it traumatized me real bad. (laughs) I was like, Where's my tiny violin? I'm so sorry it traumatized you. And then he says, I started doing drugs after and they fried my brain. 
Really heavy. You sound exactly the same as you did before. I'm sorry. He also does sound like someone who has fried his brains with drugs. For sure. And and he sounds exactly the same as he sounded in his inner original interviews. So it was fried before. Again, the troubled youth thing is continuing here. This seems like someone who has been doing hard drugs since they were like 13. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, he's also violent. Right. So whether it was the drugs or a combo of his upbringing or whatever happened, his rebelliousness, whatever, the end result is a murder. Yeah. You need to be punished regardless of how many drugs you did. Think it's the drugs. I don't care. Yeah. So the detective says, detective plays the Christian angle. And he's like, listen, you're going to this college. You're studying to be a pastor, right? You want to be a good Christian? Like, confess, repent. Howard does not repent. He leaves and he goes to see Hannah. And they have a conversation. And without telling the police that she was going to do this, she records the conversation. Good girl, Hannah. Unfortunately, this is the last time I will be proud of Hannah. But at least I was proud of her for a second. She does the right. Her instinct at first is to do this. And it's correct. Yeah. Good job. So she asks him, did you kill somebody? And he says, babe, she's like, did you? He says, maybe. And then he she says, did you kill a person? And he says, I don't have to tell you. Like, I'm rubber, you're glue. I don't have to tell you. It was so dumb. Like, so she's like, you did. And then apparently he nods. It's on audio recording. So no one sees the nod. But it was good because the conversation was like, okay, so you didn't. And then he does the nod. She goes, did you? And then she says, you did. So it's very clear that there was a gesture that happened in the interim. So it does kind of work. It just stinks because he didn't vocalize. It does kind of work. It could have been better for a jury, but it is something. So also, here's my question. Why is Hannah acting all shocked that he's a killer now when he had bragged about shooting people before and she was like, oh, he's troubled. Did she not believe him before? Okay, so she's very sheltered. So when she's hearing about this stuff, it's not playing as real to her. It's playing like a movie. Right. Does that make sense? So and he's telling her stuff like, yeah, babe, I did drive bys. I was involved. There were shootings. He said he's when he's talking to her about it, he's doing it in very general terms. And she's shocked and horrified. But like the reality of those things are not that you oh, you committed a murder. She's not equating a drive by and like, you know, the stuff that he said he was involved in. It's not equating. Yeah. She's very wrapped up in this Romeo and Juliet fantasy. I think about the two of them. She's 17 years old and he is a bad boy who has turned to God. So for a girl who's pretty sheltered. That's like catnip. Yeah. Heck, that was catnip for me at 17. I think it's a majority. Yeah. For sure, especially if you're extremely sheltered. So Hannah's mom turns over the tape, which is the last time I'll be proud of Hannah's parents. So there's that. A couple hours later, detectives get a call that Howard wants to confess. And this detective in Florida is like literally in one day, like yesterday, I didn't know who Howard was. 
now I'm getting a confession for murder and I know everything about this guy. Yeah. And he's kind of like saying like, I beat all the other detectives and I beat the legendary Marshburn. And then Andrea's like, really, Hannah did it. And it's like, don't throw Hannah a parade just yet, Andrea. You just wait. I was excited for this detective. This is a great deal. Great deal. He didn't have to do the months and months and months of work on it, too. It kind of fell into his lap. So the detective meets with Howard and Hannah's family because they are now apparently supporting Howard as their daughter's boyfriend as long as he confesses because they are good Christians and they believe in second chances. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's what's happening. And they think of him like a son. Yes. Well, no. And what's happened is that they can't, as Christians, like he has turned to God and wants to repent for what for his sins and what he's done. So they can't put him out for that. I see. I see. So they meet in a Walgreens parking lot, which a Walgreens parking lot has not seen this much action since our other Patreon episode with that hot and steamy affair slash murder in the Walmart parking lot. Yes. My goodness, in a Walgreens. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of drugstores, that's where I go if I'm going to an outdoor dinner party like I sometimes do or might do next spring. And I need to buy a bottle of something for the host. But I don't know what to buy. And I don't feel very classy handing over a bottle of wine with a CVS receipt attached to it. What should I do to be a classier person? I don't know anything about alcohol. I have it. I've got it. Reserve Bar. Reserve Bar is amazing. It is the online source of premium and luxury spirits, wine, and champagne. Remember, champagne makes a great gift. Oh. I know. Our listeners can visit ReserveBar.com to create the perfect home bar for themselves or to have the ideal gift delivered. It's also where you can find the best in what's new and hard to find bottles and celebrity spirits that you've been (gasps) wanting to try. I know it's super fun. I spent hours on the site. No one does spirits gifting better than Reserve Bar. You can have a bottle custom engraved with a name, a date, a logo. It creates the perfect gift. That's a good gift. And that's classy. Not only that, they have it so that they give you ideas in the search for what kind of gift you're trying to give, like retirement, like things that are perfect to give an engraved bottle for. So what I did is I bought a gift because my friend moved into a new house. And so housewarming gift, reserve bar, done and done. And I also really, really love to give good gifts. It's kind of something I take a lot of pride in. So Trust me when I say that Reserve Bar more than delivered what I needed. I was able to get her a really cool bottle of wine from a celebrity, from a celebrity (gasps) brand that was really, really cool. And then two really beautiful glasses for her and her husband. Oh, they have glasses too? Yeah, they have have a gorgeous collection of glasses. It's really a cool place for people that are very interested in spirits and then people that don't know anything. And also, if you're shopping for you, you can build your dream at-home bar with Reserve Bar. You just select the spirits, wine and bubbly you love and then go to the glassware and mixing tool section and get some great accessories for your bar. They also have a cocktail lounge on the site, which is your online source for inspiring new cocktail recipes and stories behind your favorite brands. It was really, really fun to peruse that section on the site. I got inspired and I'm like, I'm buying bitters. It's a whole thing. 
And they also have ready-to-drink cocktails that taste better than ever before. I remember when those were first coming out, and the new ones are just so much better. Pre-mixed drinks are great to have on hand for outdoor events, like what you're going to be attending. I have been loving these kinds of drinks recently. So our listeners can visit ReserveBar.com today. Use the promo code DATEDATELINE and save $10 off your purchase of $75 or more on spirits, wine, pre-made cocktails, but only when you use our code. So you need to remember to use the promo code date dateline at reservebar.com. That's reservebar.com code date dateline for $10 off your purchase of $75 or more. The offer expires on December 31st, 2021. So go, go, go check it out. And we're getting to the gift giving season. Yes. It's the perfect place to shop for your best gifts. I have no reservations about my recommendation on ReserveBar.com. Thanks, ReserveBar. That's a great gift. Another great gift, StoryWorth. Katie, we are about to see Hannah's parents do some pretty bad parenting. And I say that with full judgment. And I really wish that Hannah had someone like a grandma or an aunt or someone that was using StoryWorth to pass on stories that Hannah could learn from and get some age old wisdom because she's not getting it from her parents. My mom is so in love with StoryWorth that she recently signed up for a second year because she's so obsessed with it. Every time I go to visit, she's at her computer typing in her life stories, responding to the thought-provoking email prompts she gets every week. Like, what's one of the strangest things that ever happened to you? Or what's one small decision you made that ended up having a big impact on your life? Much like going to a Bible college and meeting a guy in choir and continuing to date him, even though he's about to be on Dateline and you're having a real date with Dateline. Yeah, true. And then my mom would be like, I hope you, my ancestors, will learn from my Joni mistakes and will do better in the future. At the end of the year, StoryWorth puts together all of your loved ones' stories and photos in a beautiful keepsake book that is shipped for free. I'll have this book to glean Joni's sage advice from and hopefully not make my own horrible decisions in the future. Last month, my aunt and cousin were in town and my mom was reading to them one of her story with stories. And it led to all these like discussions about my family. And I got some hot tea about my family. StoryWorth is a meaningful gift you and your family can treasure forever. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com slash date dateline. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash date dateline for $10 off. Also, buy early for the holidays and knock off one of those gifts that are on your list. Thank you, StoryWorth. Seriously, we love StoryWorth. It's an incredible gift for someone that you love. Or someone that you maybe don't love yet, but you want to get to know more. There you go. Like future in-laws or something. It works for a lot of different scenarios. It's great. It does. So they're in the Walgreens parking lot and Howard tells the detective, I want to do the right thing. I'm not going to run away or anything. Which, okay, foreshadow. So Howard is about to confess to the detective. The detective's like recording this on pins and needles. I'm getting this murder. And then Hannah's parents interrupt and say, actually, he needs a lawyer before he'll talk to you. What are we doing at this Walgreens parking lot? What? The detective is like, come on. He's so frustrated. I, yeah, I feel your pain, buddy. So the public defender shows up and won't let Howard talk at all. So Howard just gets to walk away. And the detective is just standing there with the recording, just so sad. 
Why is he allowed to walk away, though? Because the detective can't charge him, right? They can't charge him without a confession, right? They don't really have enough. They don't feel like they have enough. So they're going to try to work something out to get him to confess. I see. So it's like, I'm going to go back to the office. You go home with Hannah's family because they love you. We'll call you. Like a son. We'll call you. We'll be in touch. Meanwhile, Howard is kicked out of the college. The president of the college sends Dateline a video because he does not want to appear on the show, which is the first time I've ever seen that. So he doesn't want to answer Andrea's question. So he instead sends a clip of him standing up in his office talking to the camera like a news piece or a hostage video. I'm also not mad at it. At least he did that. He did something. At least he did something. They didn't just send a statement. He actually sent a video. All right. He sent a video. So he says he told us about the incident and we heard how serious it was. And we told him he cannot be a student here anymore. And we urged him to go back to North Carolina and confess. Great. That's exactly right. Thank you. Yes. So Howard drives home to Fayetteville Well, his new lawyer negotiates a plea deal. So he'll plead guilty to second degree murder. I don't know why. And get a sentence of 15 to 20 years, which is freaking fracking forking BS. I don't like it. People are serving more for weed currently. Why? Dismembered a body. But why? Why is that? Why is that the plea? I think because they don't have enough to get him on their own. So they're just desperate to get him for something. So Andrea says, it seemed too good to be true. And I screamed at my television. No, it didn't, Andrea. Because I was mad. I was mad. It didn't seem. Yeah. But she tells us it was too good to be true. He gets cold feet and doesn't turn himself in. Remember when he said he wasn't going to run? That was funny. So he does not turn himself in because apparently his public defender told him they don't have anything on you. You don't have to do this. I would like the name and email of the public defender, please. I know that that's your job, but that doesn't reduce the flames that are on the side of my face. Thank you. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. Pete, the dad, is devastated because they felt like they almost had him. And now they don't. Mom, Rachel, she's still not giving up. Now, the detective in Fayetteville, he's feeling like, I think I might have to let this go. I just don't have evidence. Right. And then Brandy comes in with a quick little sidebar. She says, he got off scot-free, skipping and a whistling. (laughs) Oh, she's real good. That might just be delightful because we're not Southern, but it was delightful. So where does Howard go? He goes back to Florida where he lives with Hannah's family now. I'm not going to tell you what I was screaming at this point, but I was screaming. I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure that he's lived there since he was kicked out of school. Yeah. Andrea is shooketh. She doesn't even know what to say at this point. She does tell us that they won't come on Dateline to explain their decision on this matter. And she and the detective from Florida just kind of are sitting there. And Andrea's like, what? And the detective's like, I know. What? And then he says, I I don't know if they are just that forgiving or if something happened that changed their minds about him. Like if he said something. The thing is, they do know he did it. 
because he was planning to confess. Yeah, they know. They know he did it. They might not know about killing the dog or the domestic violence charge, but they know that he murdered someone and they are fine with him dating their 17-year-old daughter and living in their home. There has to be a line between being that forgiving because religion tells you that Jesus forgives and we all get second chances and just like dangerously naive. I would love to know what the conversation was with their pastor to come to the conclusion that it's okay for him to be there without serving time for the crime he had done. Correct. That's a very good point. Like every moment that like, I don't know what a pastor would say that would make it okay. They would say probably confess. Like I know Catholicism is different than Christianity, but like, you know, when you confess and you get your penance, you know? Well, no, you have to do this. No, it would be the right moral thing to do. And this is definitely why the college would kick him out because it's a big, they have a huge morality clause at that college. But I mean, it was very clear from what the president said. Also, like to be a good Christian, wouldn't you be thinking of the parents, these poor parents who like lost their son? Don't they deserve for you to do the right thing here? Yes. I don't think there's any excuse for him living there and not serving time for the crime, (laughs) like him coming and doing the correct, the right thing. Blows my mind. It's not like the laws of God are different. And that like, as if you just repent to God, then your sins are washed away and you're clean and you don't need to actually serve the sentence. I don't know what belief that is that would make that okay. That you just confess to God and that's enough. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. Right. And that makes everything okay. Right. So then it's just piss poor judgment. So then I just don't know what they're doing. And I just have a lot of questions because I don't know. I think it's a lot. The problem is the reason I asked, like, are people upset with them on Twitter? Oh, yeah. All I know is I was had ire and was furious. I'm assuming people were mad on Twitter also because it's also exactly what's happening right now in the Gabby Prieto case, right? A little bit? Yeah. Like the parent, people are frustrated with his, the the fiance's parents? Correct. Right. And his sister. Yeah. Right. So it's a little bit like because we don't have all the information, we don't know. This is even worse than that because it's like you do have the, all the information. Like we like all the information is there in front of you. So the detectives told you everything about him. Yeah. And you were like, well. And he confessed to your daughter on tape. uh, The man I know is a good man. And he sings in our choir. And that's fine. But then he also did this other thing in a, in, you're right, before he was born again. But that doesn't mean that doesn't count. It's not a canceled out situation. I would just honestly, like given his history, I would be scared he would snap. Even if he's this great guy now, what? how do we know he's not going to snap one day when Hannah makes him mad or something? Everyone seemed to be very concerned about that, about him spending a lot of time with her. Also, he has a domestic... Did everyone forget about the domestic violence charges where he beat, like, severely beat up a woman? Okay, cool. Yeah, his girlfriend. Yeah. So... Mom, Rachel, James's mom, Rachel, is so worried that he's going to go do something again. She is still tracking him online. And the detective in Florida is watching him because he doesn't trust him. Everyone's invested. I love it. We've got like Florida detective, James Marshburn, Rachel, Mm -hmm. Pete, the dad. Yeah, Yeah, everyone's involved. Months pass. 
Rachel is being patient. It's been years now, but she says, Fran told me it could take years when this first started. And those words carried her through, kind of. And I thought that was amazing. Go, Fran. So Detective Donegan in Fayetteville, he's going through the file and now he feels like he has enough to charge him with everything and with the tape that Hannah made. He feels like he has enough to charge him and the DA agrees, but they're going to still keep looking. They know they don't have a perfect case, so they kind of want to offer him a deal because I guess plea deals come with second chances. (laughs) You can just keep having, you can just keep being offered. Schmeich Schmivlich, I have to say, to this whole thing. Oh, I think also what's happening here is that they very much want the body. Yes, that's true. So in order to get the body, they're making deals. Right. So he has to confess and he has to help them find James. So he's supposed to come in and confess. And then you'll never guess what happened. He doesn't show up again. He goes to Epcot. It's deja vu all over again. Yeah. He's missing. They don't know where he is. I don't understand how this doesn't. How are they not tracking him? Like, I don't even care if they're illegally tracking him at this point. Well, they keep saying they are. I know. Like, I thought they they keep saying, yeah, we were watching him, but they don't have eyes on him 24-7. They don't have a tracker on his car. Where's the Marshburn team? Yeah, where's Mar- Where's Marsha? Marsha would have been tracking him 24-7. Marsha doesn't sleep. Yeah, we need eyes on Howard. So Detective Donegan has a whole manhunt team come together and they actually find it's not that hard to track him because he still has his cell phone on. So they find him in a tiny town in North Carolina. Where was he going? Perhaps on a honeymoon. Wow. (sighs) The flames. Hannah, who is now 18, very recently, has gone with Howard to a courthouse days earlier and gotten married. I cannot... I have no cans. I am out of cans. I cannot. What is wrong with these people? What I take back everything nice I said about the parents being very forgiving. And I hate take everything back about Hannah. Hannah is still just a teenager. But like, so where are her parents? I don't. I don't either. We just don't live in that world. I don't. But, but you've lived in that world. Mm hmm. Would your parents have been okay with this? No, absolutely not. Like, I don't, and no one that I know. And your mom wouldn't let you listen to? Amy Grant. Amy Grant, when she went secular. List an artist, pop-up videos. But like, honestly, (laughs) no, it's more that I, and I also went to a small Christian college. So it's that I don't know anyone that would think that this was somehow wiped clean, or I just don't know. This seems very much borderline harboring a fugitive. This is very strange. And then. Yeah, it does. Allowing. I I mean, I guess the allowing your daughter to marry. So not allowing she can do what she wants if she's 18. But they have festered this and encouraged this when she was 17. So it's it's makes perfect sense that she would marry him at 18. They have shown from day one that they are in favor of this. Look, and the problem is not that he, he people can be changed. That is like, look, he definitely can repent his sins and come and then do that and live this life and be a Christian and have all these things. But it hasn't been like 30 years. It's been like three years. The The problem is, is that he still has again, has to pay for that thing that happened before. Yeah. 
that's fine if you want to marry him the day before he turns himself in. But instead, he's running. So it's that eh, that doesn't equal out. Yeah, it's not good. So now that Hannah is his wife, she won't have to testify against him. She's very convenient. Hannah, I haven't been this disappointed in Hannah since Hannah on Below Deck did not put her heart and soul into her tablescapes. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, the police are concerned that this might mean that they can't use the recording that Hannah made. So at this point, I was thinking, well, didn't he confess to that president of the college? So can they not subpoena the president to come in? Or would that be hearsay? He like directly confessed and explained the situation to the president. And it was bad enough in his explanation that the president kicked him out. I'm sure he was going to. Why do you think he wasn't? If I think that's better than the Hannah thing, since you don't actually hear him say I did it on the Hannah tape. But they're just more saying that it was more ways that that he was trying to be sneaky and to get her not to talk because he thinks that her thing carried the most weight, which maybe it didn't. You're right. They did have the president. So I think that's more what it was. They thought that that was going to help the case. Yeah, they did. So detectives get a subpoena for Hannah's cell phone and they find photos of the proposal where her friends are taking pictures and smiling and at their wedding at the courthouse, he's in a flannel and she's in a messy bun and parka. And then there's a photo of them with rats, which somehow seemed apt. I don't want them with animals. I don't want him with animals since the dog thing. She might not know about the dog, but she will now if she watches the Dateline. Mm hmm. They do appear to be deeply in love, which made me deeply nauseated. So the DA researches spousal confidentiality laws. And since she was she recorded him before they were married, they can use it. So they bring in Howard and now he's going to confess and actually do a new plea deal because he just keeps getting offered plea deals and he just keeps getting to saunter in whenever he wants on his timeline each time. Well, this is the first time that they've actually had him under charges. They could never, they've only pressed charges this time. The other times they're waiting for him for his confession because they haven't pressed charges. Right. He did have like a set time with his lawyer where he was supposed to show up at the police station. I'm just saying that's like a privilege to be able to like do that and then just like not show up multiple times. Yeah. I just don't, I don't know. I feel like what can they do if this is the only time they press charges? And then when they press charges and he said he was coming in and he evaded because they give you a set time you have to turn yourself in. They're like, you have to turn yourself in Tuesday at 10 p.m. He doesn't. They find out he's married. They go and physically grab him because now they have charges against him before they have to wait on him because they're not pressing charges. That's the only thing that it seemed, but it seemed like he was playing a game with them. I agree. And I think he has the upper hand. He continually has the upper hand, I feel like. Yeah. And he's getting help. He's being aided and abetted by this family. Yeah. Who's brainwashed or something. Who knows? It's weird. It has something to do with LuLaRoe. That's all I know. (laughs) I don't know how I know that, but that's what I feel. Oh, allegedly, allegedly involved, Kimberly. <laughs> don't don't you dare open yourself up to a lawsuit from Lola Rowe. You do not want that. No, that is so true. So they bring in Howard. Now, this time in interrogation. Okay, so first he's biting his nails. And I was like, okay, I bite my nails. Then he's yawning. And I'm like, 
okay. I mean, I've seen some people like fall asleep on Dateline because they're adrenaline. But then the third thing we see, he's picking his nose. He's like fidgeting with his nose, like when it itches. And then he just starts picking. Do you know you're on camera? Do you care? So he pleads guilty to second degree murder and gets 15 to 20 years. And he has to admit everything. It's like the same deal as before. Also, I do want to say one more thing. You claim to love Hannah and you're okay with marrying her days before you're going into prison for 15 to 20 years. This woman is losing all of her 20s and most of her 30s or at least half her 30s for having a family with him, living with him. She is still a teenager. She's losing all of that time and you're fine with that. And you say you love her. Because he has to marry her so that they can have the boom boom. (laughs) The scootily poop. And he wants the boom boom before they go into prison. And also probably she wants to be pregnant. Got it. Yep. If she did, she wants to show up pregnant at that court hearing. I just, I can't get inside these people's heads. I would like to, but I really can't figure it out. I'm not sure where Hannah's brain I kind of get because she's 17, like turning 18. I do 100%. That's why I keep blaming her parents. The parents, no. And it's so, of course, they didn't go on Dateline because they have no excuses. They, I'm sure people in their community are telling them this is not a good idea. I mean, the head of the college said it's not acceptable for him to go to our school but it's acceptable for him to marry your teenage daughter. The choir director was like, he can't be in this choir because it can't be around these people because he might kill someone, but you're going to have him marry your daughter. Okay. So I do want to, you, when you said, does their pastor say, that's the conversation I want to have. Like, did they consult with their religious elder pastor? And what did they say? I would guess yes. And did they say something and they did a, I know we're Christian and we say you are spiritual leader and we'll do whatever you say, but actually we know better and we're going to let him marry our daughter anyways. So that's why I need to know. I know a little bit about Hope, the school that they were at. Like I did look some stuff up. I'm trying to see basically how much they are where man's law does not apply as much as God's law. Like where are they on that journey? And did this just also put them over where they're like, well, no, we're going to just go with God's law. And because he's right with the Lord, then we don't have to worry about this other stuff. That's the only thing I can think of. And that that's what they preach at their church, that it's only God's law that matters. It's only God. It's cause strange because like they were OK with him when he was not getting punished by man's laws. But now they're also OK with him marrying Hannah now that he is going to get punished by man's laws. They were okay with either one. We think they're okay with it. We didn't get confirmation that they were okay with the wedding. That's true. They got married at a courthouse. They weren't like, you know, they didn't rent a hall. So I don't, we really don't know what the parents said. We could be totally wrong on that. But I, I can't believe they would do a 360, sorry, a 180 after having him in their home and being fine with them dating. Yeah, agreed. I can't either. And just for the parents, like, where's your goodwill towards these poor parents? Correct. So Howard tells the police he doesn't know why he did what he did. He says he gave James a ride home 
and we see a sort of reenactment of a truck driving and Andrea says in a truck similar to this one. Yeah, I, I maybe they're going to do more of these this season. Reenactments. OK, no one thought it was the same truck, Andrea. We know it's been years later and it went to the junkyard. That's OK. I don't mind. I don't mind her saying it. It's OK. So he says, I gave James a ride home. And on the way, James said he had to go see somebody about some money that he was owed and he was going to beat him up if he didn't get his money. But sweet, innocent Howard wasn't comfortable with this. We've met James through his family. We have met Howard. Does this at all sound believable? As if beating someone up for a debt that they owed was not something that that Howard would be super into at that time. He would love to do that. Also, if even if James did say it, it seems like it's more of a threat and not an actual thing that's going to happen. Right. No, there's no evidence that he was owed money by anyone or he involved with shady characters or would beat someone up. Not that we hear about at all. Yeah. But if it was, Howard would be like, yes, I'm all in. So... They argue about it because Howard doesn't want to go. And so he wants to scare James. So he gets out his gun and squeezes the trigger into the back window of his truck where James is sitting. This is the stupidest story. You grab a hunting rifle in the back of your truck and shoot it into your own truck to scare someone so you don't have to go get some money that this person is owed. Detectives don't be, believe it. Honestly, if Hannah has heard this story and believed it, I kind of feel less bad for her now. Yeah, she might have. Maybe everyone's heard it. Ugh. This story is, it just is so dumb. I don't know if the window was open in the back or not. Did he like shatter the window of his own truck? Yeah, I'm guessing it was open. I'm guessing it was like pulled open. So he thinks I'm going to shoot so close to his head. But he says, I didn't even look through the scope. I just put it into my truck to shoot close to James's head without even looking or aiming. And then I thought James would pop out and be like, what, are you trying to kill me? And then James didn't pop out. And then he realized he's in trouble. So here's 90% of the problem is that we don't have James's body. So we don't know if any of that's real. Yeah. He could have been shot in the face. Right. Although this story does go along with what Reno said. Right. So... Howard tells the police how he tried to burn the body and then Reno helped him bury it. Two weeks later, the police were interviewing him and he was getting really nervous. So he dug up the body, cut it up and then put it into bags and they drove to a bridge and they dropped it into the water. Now, Rachel is going through the old Facebook posts in her mind and so they had things in there like burning your things, tearing a person apart. And she's like, it's like a roadmap for actually what he did that he was posting about. But she still wants the biggest thing is her son. She wants James back. So the police take out Howard in shackles and an orange jumpsuit out to search. And the detectives say it's clear he has no idea which bridge it is. There are about 12 or 15 bridges in that town that match the description. I kind of want to go there because I love a bridge. They find oh, the right bridge that he seems to recognize. But it's been four years and there's nothing of James that they can find. Howard gets 20 years in prison and he's smiling on camera in the courtroom with his gross, patchy, blonde facial hair. And he looks 
evil. Can't believe you hadn't mentioned it till now. He has a soul patch and then later he has facial hair. It's that blonde kind. I don't like when blonde guys have facial hair because I just think of Kathy Griffin. You can't see it. It looks transparent. It. Kathy Griffin talked about Spencer Pratt's facial hair and how it was like flesh colored because it was blonde. Yeah, it's transparent. Yeah, it's gross to me. It's very strange. And he's smiling in the courtroom like he sees like he's like a pageant girl. It's gross. I don't know what happened. They caught him in a moment of smiling. And I would like to know what that moment was. Right. Because ever since like Gone Girl, where there's that one scene and he does an inadvertent smile reaction when someone was taking his picture and it goes all over the news and that like makes him look terrible. But it's you kind of want to know, like, did, did he see like his mom or something and he was smiling at her. It just makes him look evil. But the thing that gets it is that the dad, Pete, says, if I was in the courtroom with him or no, he said, if I could have gotten to him. So I think Pete was there. So he must have done something that really upset Pete, which I'm guessing that was the smiling. He said, yeah, he smiled. He said he showed no remorse and he never looked at the family. And he says, if I could have gotten to him, I would have like had charges like I would have killed him. Yeah, I can see that. So they do a full search with divers on the bridge, but they don't find anything. The parents vow to keep searching. It's all they think about every day. It's so heartbreaking. Marshburn thinks that Reno can help. So he goes to visit him in prison again because they have a special relationship now. And he describes that bridge in detail And it matches the one that Howard recognized. So they know for sure it's that bridge. They do another search in the spring of 2021. They find a cell phone and a bone, but neither are James. So Pete, the dad, still believes they'll find him. He wants to bring him home. Dateline reached out to Howard in prison to see if he remembers anything more, but he doesn't respond. Brandy is amazing. And she says, I think he knows more than he's saying. But Karma drives a big bus and she knows everybody's address. I don't know where she got that. I've never heard it before. Maybe it's a common Southern expression, but I love it. It sounds like someone on Drag Race would say it. It's one of those lines that it would be like, snap. I want it on a t-shirt. It's so good. Badly. Karma drives a big bus and she knows everybody's address. She's like Dolly. Ugh. Brandy killing me. God bless Brandy. Brandy makes up for Hannah's parents almost because she's so amazing. No, absolutely not. But James had an ally in Brandy. And I just, I feel bad that she lost her friend. I'm so sorry. I felt bad for all the people that lost James in this episode. Like we always do, but I'm sorry. And I'm sorry he's not been found. Yeah. But Marshburn is still looking and Marshburn does not give up. You got a good guy on the case. And he hopes that now Reno is out of jail, apparently. He wants to take him searching. But what is Reno only knows the bridge and knows that they were thrown over? That how are you going to? Well, the thing is, is they've had so many floods and hurricanes and things that it could be totally in a different spot. Oh, so frustrating. But it's not that old. They do have a phone number on the screen in case anyone saw anything around that time. And Rachel is still searching because she wants to keep that promise to James. And it's so sad. Let's go through really fast 
B-roll bonanza. Yeah, and I do have a little bit of outside information, which I can give you really quick. So he is set for release in August of 2033. He's in a medium security prison. He'll be 40, by the way, when he's released. I'm upset. 40 is young. He's got half his life ahead of him. It's a problem. Anyways, he has four infractions, though, in prison. He's not behaving. Four. Yeah. So he had some sort of involvement with a gang or a security risk group. Mm-hmm. I can make a guess. I'm not going to. Schminschmed. Yes. Uh, weapon possession and something I, I wrote, but I can't read. Fishing? I can't say that. I just take that out. I think you can say that in with no context. I think you cannot. No, I, with no context, I think it's fine. Yeah, maybe. So weapon possession and something else. It's not good. No. So maybe he'll get a lot more time. A weapons possession? Why do you have a weapon in a medium security prison? Well, that can mean that you made a weapon. That's what happens on 60 Days In. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean you got smuggled in a weapon or something. It could just mean you made a weapon. But he didn't even have to do hard time. He got to do medium time. Medium security. I don't know. He was in a church choir. (laughs) Apparently that gets you medium. Sure. Whatever. All right. B-roll. Lots of loose photos. Yeah. The mom loose photos. The dad loose photos. Mom also has an album. She has both. Yeah, she's got both. We open on the search party with a doggy and a horse and then another doggy, a multiple mammal search party. Yeah, I was shocked you didn't mention it. I had a whole thing for it, but you never said it. Yeah, I'm saying it now. I say I put I pushed it. It was at the beginning and then I pushed it towards the end. The world would be so much better if dogs and horses were in charge of everything. We wouldn't need search parties. We have a Southern search party leader who says, we're going to find this. (laughs) Every outhouse, chicken house, pizza hut. Grandma's house, penthouse, fashion house, house of cards. Uh (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Oh, there was a murder board, but it was like on a table. The mom literally has a murder board, but it's like, I mean, there's a real murder board when the Florida detective has one, but then the mom almost has one because all of her pages are like redlined. Did you see it? Yes, but she also has maps up all over the wall. She's in this like warehouse with brick walls with yeah. Fran and they have up maps with pinpricks and photos up all over. Where are they? I think they did that. that I think they did that set for that. I think they gave them that warehouse set. That was cool, though. I like it. The saddest B-roll ever. Mm -hmm. Mom, Rachel, is sitting out on her stoop in the rain, texting on her phone. And I was like, get this grieving mother inside from the rain, Dateline. What are you doing? So sad. Seriously, I feel so. I know. Two children. We see a clock tower, which I thought, oh, that's kind of like a water tower because water tower is on our bingo cards. But then we saw an actual water tower. So we got a clock tower and a water tower. That's all I got. Fashion police. Andrea never ages. It's a medical mystery. She looks gorgeous this season. Stunning. She had a really cool blouse on at one point. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. And then she had one like blue with little flowers on it. Yeah, she's always perfection. Fran has this pin on her blazer that is a pair of high heeled shoes. I didn't see what it was. I thought I just assumed it was the class foundation. 
their little heels. And someone, one of our listeners said, maybe they're the ruby red slippers because she thinks she wants to bring everyone home. Oh, I bet you that's it. Like there's no place like home. That's incredible. Yeah, that's, I hope that's it. Would you like to know what the Hobe Bible College dress code is? For sure I do. It's called biblical conservative. And so it's no shirts above the elbow for men or women. Mm -hmm. So when we see her, in the police interrogation, she is wearing a shirt that is not regulation. Yeah. She's wearing a cap sleeve shirt. And I was very surprised. But maybe that she wasn't at college that day. Also, I saw a knee and the skirt has to cover the knees. I barely saw a knee, though. She was wearing a long denim skirt. Sitting and standing, the skirt has to cover the knee. Oh, it has to cover it sitting as well. I understand. Knees are sca- case scandalic for knees. You know what? Here's the thing. I'm not making fun of it. It's just, or we're not talking bad about this. For people that believe in modesty, that's their thing. No, that's fine. I will say this. I looked for bad reviews of this college specifically and could find nothing. Interesting. So people seem to like it. And I think if you go to this college, you know what you're going to. And you're, you're going to this college because you believe in this. Yeah, and that's fine. And so what the question is, is how did he end up there? Why did he get there? Yeah. How did he get there and who paid? Did he really have a come to Jesus moment? Who paid for it? (laughs) Who paid for his come to Jesus moment? Who paid for his seven, eight thousand dollars semester, whatever it is like who who paid for that? It maybe is the Bensons. The Bensons are in deep. I need to know more. But she did not like him. Mrs. Benson. The dad maybe, though, maybe ran the house. Is it possible that the dad Benson also had a troubled past and turned his life around and so saw that there was redeeming qualities? Because wasn't it the dad that brought him to get the job at the construction site, Mr. Benson? No, it was James's dad. Pete had taken him? Yes. Had taken Howard? Yes. Pete hired Howard and Pete asked him to give James a ride home that day. So I'm sure there's a lot of guilt that Pete has. Pete, you're okay. Pete, none of this is your fault. None of this is your fault. No, this is you did not know. And Howard deserves double the time that he's getting for your son. Yes, absolutely. Titles. Yeah. Marsh in Marsh. Is he searching in like? Oh, okay. Marshes. Marsh and Marsh. King Howard, the king of the bows. Yeah. Guess who's back? Howard's back. No, I was trying to play along with Eminem and I was going to write a whole rap and then I was tired. So I only came up with Eminemesis. Oh, that's great, though. Yeah, that's good. I like it. And then I have two movie titles. Okay. Hannah and her parents. (laughs) That's and Howard's End, which I think I stole from Keisler Sose online. Oh, wow. Oh, but Keisler, that was good. If it was you and Kimberly, that's good. If it's you. Hannah and her parents, it was all me. That's very good. That's very good. I had the Bridges of Lafayette County. Oh, that's good. I really like that. Evil has 12 lives. And then the Karma bus comes to Fayetteville. Yeah. And then I do have one serious one, which I do not want you to laugh at. Marco, mom loves you. Oh, It was touching. The mo- The whole story is very, very touching. And it's just made worse by how dry and unemotional Howard is the entire time. Like Howard made me madder than the parents. His being made me madder. Oh, yeah. No, I think he's the worst person alive that we've seen on Dateline in a really long time. 
when I read the about the infractions, I was not surprised at all. I'm like, right, because you're not actually the person, the good Christian. No, I never believed that for one second. Well, you were hiding. You were hiding in plain sight and you probably would have snapped on her. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Bible studies and stuff like that in prison. Absolutely, there are. And instead, you're carrying weapons and joining a quote unquote gang or divisive group. You're scumbag. I mean, maybe he did that for his own safety, but I don't feel bad for him. In a minimum, in a medium security, he's a bad person. And Hannah, I hope you're not waiting, but you probably are. But oh don't. God, Hannah. Take our advice. Don't. <laughs> I don't think you're listening to this podcast because it's secular. If someone knows Hannah, tell her to stop. Yeah. Stop. Stop that. Go find someone else. I do have very good news is that our very dedicated longtime listener, Anna, won bingo. And it was very exciting. We never have bingo winners. So this is very exciting. Also, I had our amazing web editor, web designer, Grace, put our new bingo cards up on the page. Our website, adatewithdateline.com. Yay. Thank you, Grace. 50 brand new cards. And Anna won. Amazing. Amazing. And the best is the people in the comments are like, where do I get these cards? Where do I? And then Anna's like, oh, go here. It's my favorite podcast. Like she pitches it. And then one person was like, what's a bag of wieners? What's B-roll? And then you have to explain. It's going to have to be an index at some point. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And remember. Don't watch alone. It's been so long. (laughs) It's a new season. (laughs) Okay, don't watch alone. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Watch with your favorite cheese bag. Can I still say be your own Bugatti? You can still say whatever you want. Don't watch alone. Watch with your favorite Bugatti. No, because then we always had to think of another button and we couldn't do it. I think it's best to let that go. Yeah. I think our sign off is fine. Okay, (laughs) thank you. It was just like another thing. (laughs) Where is Marsha. Yeah, Marsha, Marsha, we're going to reach out. We love you. We miss you. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram and join us on Patreon. We're covering 90 Day Fiance right now. And check out Kimberly on... I am just finished a run on Pink Shade, but I'm going to be back. We have an idea. I actually might be doing some correspondence from the scene. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, I can't wait. Amazing. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.